Hey, y'all. I know I need to add a splash to my wardrobe. So do you? Our friends at Dianu have you covered. Dianu helps celebrate the vibrant African culture and feel connected to your roots with every single garment. While it's a celebration for African culture, it's not just for those with African heritage. It's for everyday people like us. We the culture. From sweaters, shirts for the fellas, crop tops, dresses, and skirts for the ladies, and some fun matching fits for the whole family, Dianu has you covered. Go to Dianu.com. That's D-I-Y-A-N-U.com. And use the promo code RICHLOVESKICKS to save 10% off your order. Dianu, a way to be bold, be proud, and express yourself wherever you are. Looking for Greek apparel that is simple, chic, and incognito? Need a gift for your favorite NPHC member? Crossing Greek Apparel can help you or them represent sororities or fraternities without breaking any rules. Save 15% on your next purchase with code MENTALPOD. Yeah, your mental matters, mental matters. Your mental matters, mental matters. Your mental matters, mental matters. Your mental matters, mental matters, yo. Your mental matters ain't a simple pattern. We need to have a central chatter. Food for thought, grab a platter. My mental ain't for rental. I'm a central man, it's simple. I'm a ripple in the rip, though. I don't wanna sink my ship, so gotta know your mental. Black life is hard, I don't resent, though. Feelings really real, we should present those. Talk about it, you should know your mental matters. Your mental matters, mental hey, matters, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be here with y'all. I'm looking forward to some great conversation, and yeah, man, I'm looking forward to this. Nice, all of you guys. I can't wait to introduce all of you. Looking forward to it. Nice to meet you as well. Your name is Devon Devante. Yeah. (laughs) I believe that we are live, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Brother to Brother Breaking Barriers and Building Bridges, Black Men and Mental Health. My name is Nafisa Hood. I'm a Black mental wellness mentee who will be supporting this session today. We have a wonderful panel of speakers who will be sharing with you during this session, which will be moderated by Richard Winfrey, who will guide our discussion today. Richard Winfrey, I will turn it to you to tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce the speakers for today. Sure thing. And as we do, as it is our custom in the city that I'm from, what up, though? Hailing from the city of Detroit, I am Richard Winfrey. I am, as you can see, co-founder and co-host of the Mental Matters podcast and mental health advocate for my whole Black fellas community. So a little bit about me. I'm an engineer by trade. Um, found our podcast just based on my own journey of trying to find better mental wellness for myself and others. And I figured if I can benefit from therapy, maybe someone can just hear my story and um, eventually listen to therapy too. So, but what I do not want to do is be remiss and get into some of our awesome panelists that are here with us today. Um, also, proud member and life member of the one, the only Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. As I'm reading the bios, I wanted to make sure that I step in the room first, as it is our custom. Moving on. (laughs) You'll see why in a second. So with that being said, okay, I 
Shout, shout out to the, the hook people. Anyway, uh, so first and foremost, all of intended, I want to yield the floor for a brief introduction from I'm going to go any, mini mighty mo Devante. Oh, super dope. Um, my name is Devante Green. I reside in uh, Los Angeles, California, proudly. Uh, proud father, husband, um, and I run a leadership organization known as the Giants Den. We've launched back in 2019. We support black men and men of color in becoming happier, healthier, and more connected. Um, the reason why is because we identified that, you know, some of the lowest life expectancy in America is black men. A lot of do lot to do with stress-related issues or issues that come about because of stress. You know what I mean? So uh, my dad is about 63 right now. And I've noticed when they got about 55, a lot of guys start, we started going to a lot of funerals. You know, so um, really doing the work to not just talk about mental health and emotional wellness and people needing to connect, but engaging in the work that allows people to be present, to build some meaningful connections with other folks and get active while doing it. So I'm really happy to be here um, and then really just dive in. I can go on and on. So I just want to dive into some of the um, some of the, the topics today because I think it's really important. And I'm honored to be here with y'all. Richard, thanks for holding it down as the moderator. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it, brother. Most definitely. Last and definitely not least, my brother James. Step up to the mic, dude, and do what you do. Hey, what's up, boss? Hey, man, listen, I, I enjoyed your introduction of the, uh, you know, the alpha thing. But um, so anyway, I'm James Harris, you know, father, veteran, entrepreneur, I'm a therapist. I'm located in Richmond, Virginia. Um, also the founder of Men to Heal, which is a movement to get men back focused on the overall wellness, mental health, physical health, and of course, the emotional health. Um, I'm the author of a book called Man, Just Express Yourself. You can pretty much get that anywhere books are sold. Um, I also created a board game called Cheesy Dates, which is an interactive board game for adults and couples to build that communication up as well as, you know, increase spontaneity to continue to grow at the same rate. I own a private practice in Richmond called The Healing Hub. Um, in addition to it being outpatient therapy, I also offer yoga, Zumba, mindfulness, um, seminars for the community, such as first-time home buying, restoration of rights, LGBTQ+, um, voter registration, just so many different things that the African-American community uh, oftentimes overlap. Um, I wanted to put it all in one spot just to make sure I'm doing my part and giving back. So that's me in a nutshell. I'm looking forward to diving into these questions. And uh, of course, I am a member of the Omega Sapphire fraternity. Respect, respect. All right. So I believe before we dive too much into these questions, um, as with any of my brotherhood circles, et cetera, I always like to do a pulse check. So on a scale of red, yellow, and green, if you can just quickly just Tell me how you're doing today in this space. I know we are blessed to be a part of this conference, a part of this panel discussion. But on the scale of red, yellow, green person, how are you feeling right now? Anybody can just jump in that thing. <laughs> you took the hat. Have to let the hair down real quick. Um, Here we go. That's a, that's a, all right. So I know it's a difference between how the day is going and how I might be feeling in this moment, right? The day is beautiful. Right. It's been great. Lots of wins already. Um, trying to get on here and dealing with some of the technical challenges uh, had me in like a I wasn't being present and I started to rush. And when I rush, like many folks, I'm feeling a little bit anxious. So I needed to 
calm it down, take some breaths. I feel good, but it was a day I was in danger of spiraling a little bit um, if I didn't capture that. So um, I feel present. I feel uh, empowered and um, I feel excited. So those are uh, color. You said something about color. So I'm going to say yes. that's, uh, that's a that's a that's a green for me. That's a green green. Bet. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, green as well. Everything is good on my end. Um, had a couple sessions this morning. Um, the weather here in Virginia is Richmond specifically is not that good. So hopefully my Internet uh, stays, stays uh, stable. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm a green. Everything is good on my end. Most definitely. Shout out to the people checking in the chat. If you guys have questions, throw them in here. A lot of people saying that they are green. I even seen a greenish yellow, which is very valid. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so let's get into the discussion. We are talking about a black man, mental health. We are talking about ultimately, you know, breaking the barriers and building bridges. Brother to brother. Here we are. So. First question, what would your inner your inner child rate you one to 10 in terms of your mental wellness journey personally? Inner child rate us as, as we are right now? Mm-hmm. The work you've done, the journey you've come through, the fact you got a smile on your face right now, regardless of what you've been through, what would they rate you right now? They could look at you like, hey, um, yeah, I, I think I would get an A. Just I, I don't say that because it's me. I said just based on my upbringing. So I was a ward of the state. Um, and when I was younger, you know, ward of the state here in Virginia, me foster care and group home, it might be called something different in, in you know, with state you're in. But uh, so I was a ward of the state, which means I was um, involved in a lot of trauma. I was involved in a lot of spaces to where I wasn't able to articulate my emotions in a healthy way and they be perceived in a healthy way, um, which also made me get into this field because therapy was mandatory um, and it, it wasn't a cohesive process. You know, I'm this young black kid from the projects and it felt forced during that time. So it was unrelatable. Most of the therapists were older white people or um, women, you know, so it wasn't a cohesive journey for me. Um, and being that, you know, of course, I felt that, uh, you know, it's I knew that I understood that therapy can be beneficial. So I stuck with it. But um, looking at it now, if I had to grade myself based on where I am now, I would definitely say it's an A because not only did I stick with it, but I made sure that I got back in the field to ensure that that younger child that I'm speaking to now and answering this question can benefit um, because, you know, primarily it's so many young boys who are misdiagnosed or overdiagnosed. Um, it's so many uh, people, specifically African-Americans in the field, who don't have representation who look like them and who are being treated by other people. Um, so I think that collection of experience, whether personal and professional, uh, will agree with my grade of an A, I guess I can say. Okay. Uh, yeah, man, I'm coming in with a big A plus, you feel me? Um, and the reason why, you know, as you asked the question, I kind of got emotional, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Just internally, the tears started to run inside. And it's because worked very hard, you know what I mean, to be able to 
manage myself on a day to day to recondition my habits and my way of thinking. Um, so I know that mental health and the work that I do is not in a in a, cl- a cl- clinical setting, right? But understanding that mental health is all the things that impact our the way that we think, feel, and perceive the world. Um, I've done so much work to go against how I've been raised, right? And love to my parents, mad love and respect. Um, they also came from certain situations, but I came up with housing insecurity. You know, everybody in my family gang bang. I'm in LA, so it's the land of, you know, gang banging. Um, I grew up Compton, Inglewood, and it was a lot of, um, we moved three, four times a year. So I never really got grounded. We were sleeping in, you know, certain situations where we had to be like in um, a shelter or sleeping on a friend's floor and going to school from that. And I remember feeling a lot of less than, you know, feeling like I was always trying to prove myself. I'm always the new kid at school. I'm always um, behind the eight ball. Um, And the work that I had to do to get confident and just showing up authentically and being who I am and uh, being able to appreciate my voice in the way that I think um, it's still, it's still a daily grind, right? Not really grind. It's a daily, it's a day. It's the daily habits that keep me balanced. So there was a point where I didn't have any of these strategies. I started therapy later in my journey, right? Doesn't mean that I started the work later. So I just wanted to bring attention that therapy is a part of the, my toolkit, but prior to therapy, I had to get around some people and environments and information that actually introduced me to therapy in a way that didn't um, didn't clash with my beliefs. Because at some point, even right now, you know, I got family be like, therapy, you in therapy, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? Look at you like, you're like, like you just said, you, you sell a dope or something, you know what I mean? And I'm like, no, no, therapy is okay. Nothing is wrong with me in that way, but it doesn't mean that I don't need, just like I go to the gym, I also can go and talk to somebody regularly. So I would say uh, A plus given how far I've come, but also how mindful I am of the practice being consistent on a day to day because they're never too far to go the other way. So on a daily, I have, you know, just routine that supports my mental health. um, And I'm never too far away from spiraling back the other way. So I would say A plus. And I know just on my own research in general, um, I know you both are doing powerful work, not only for yourself, but in your community. So first and foremost, I got to give love to that because Black men to find resources and ways for us to get better as Black men. For me, at first, that was a struggle. So to get here now, it's like, okay, I got little leverage. I'm probably about like seven personally because I always feel like it's room to grow. But um, to know where you've been from and know where you at and know where you're going is, I ain't going to go to church today. Anyways, um. And we can go if you want to, Rich. I'm just saying, you know. Listen, listen. <laughs> I gotta let, let let them use you, let them use you, but let them use you. So we're talking about helping our fellows. We're talking about barriers, if you will. What do you believe some of the barriers uh, for seeking help for black men are? Um, some of the barriers, of course, outside of access and availability. You know, it's it's um some societal ones as well, you know, the, the fear of displaying vulnerability just based on how they will be perceived by others. Um, that would definitely be a barrier. And then of course, not understanding um, specific diagnoses because within our community, oftentimes people become numb and desensitized, especially with men. And what I mean by that is when uh, Devonte was explaining 
that he was in therapy, the people, his family and friends viewed what he said, viewed him as if, you know, it was just so foreign and obsolete. And those are the same people in which he introduced earlier. Uh, he also said that he was, you know, from neighborhood and all those family members were part of gangs. Like that stuff is normalized, but not the um, helping characteristics of being a better person is in so, in, in, in so many aspects. So I think, of course, the barriers would be those things. And also just basic, uh, I guess, diagnoses. And what I mean by that is um, gender oftentimes play a role in certain diagnoses. Like I have a lot of athletes on my caseloads, um, whether they're professional or on the collegiate level. And I still have to, of course, in the introduction um, or when we get into the diagnosis portion, explain to them that it's okay to acknowledge your feelings, your emotions and stuff like that. I, I have a lot of professional athletes that still think depression is for women or cheerleaders. I, I heard that in session. You know, so just um, re-educating is, is definitely one of those things that can happen uh, and, and not be so much of a barrier. So, you know, just, just access and availability um, along with understanding that it affects and impacts everybody and normalizing it so people aren't as numb and desensitized uh, to it. Because a lot of people also have been raised within traumatic settings to where they think it's normal. You don't know that it's traumatic until you get to a different environment or expose yourself and be around different people and they looking at you uh, differently because you're cantankerous or you just, you know, outside of yourself with maladaptive behaviors and so many other things. So I definitely think, um, you know, those are some of the barriers. Dante, what about you? Yeah, I'll, I'll add. I'll, I will second that the aspect of uh, it being normalized. I think that as Black people in this country, uh, trauma. A lot of us were born in traumatic states that became culture, and um, what we might call what some people. I don't really like the frame the phrase toxic masculinity. I know it's a thing, but I think what we name toxic masculinity is also a derivative of that culture. Right. And like Norman on some things that were like survival tools, you know, like there was a point in this country where they'll castrate you, sell your whole family off. You couldn't work like when we think about these aspects and then not having the control over your health, over where you live, over how you earn. These are real realities for not only black men, but black people. And I think when we talk about the barriers, it's what's culture and what's trauma, how much trauma is in interweaved into our culture to we can't separate how you're supposed to feel as a baseline and what is depression what is over the overwhelmed feelings so i think a lot of barrier is for one identifying what's not what it feels like to not be okay like this is not a, like if you're always frustrated you're always in a rage you're easily ticked off um every time you get in the car you got road rage somebody says something like, what is this? You know, but if that's the normal thing that you were used to seeing and normal way you've been acting, why would I need to see therapy? There's nothing, there's nothing um, that's causing my attention to therapy. I also think there's a difference to be named and that's the difference between mental illness and mental health, mm -hmm. you know, um, and a psychiatrist versus a therapist. I also think that there's some, some semantics that are really important because people would identify that all if you need mental health support, which we all do because we all have mental health, just like we have physical health, 
doesn't mean that you have a mental illness and need to be diagnosed and then treated with medications X, Y, and Z, right? So I think that there's a um, there's a barrier of understanding what therapy actually is, um, and then there's a stigma, particularly with men, um, that you need to be self reliant, you need to be resiliency is a part of masculinity, but resiliency by yourself, this whole pull yourself up by your bootstraps notion is embedded in how a lot of folks or a lot of men and how a lot of women view men, you know, uh, or uh, what they expect the men. Cause I've been around like my mom and folks like that who like, no men do this, boys do this. Right. Um, you start to question if I need somebody to support me in this way, am I less than a man? Without identifying, yes, we need somebody to support us. It's the, the performance increases when we actually have the resources to support ourselves mentally, physically, and emotionally. So I think the barrier is the stigma that exists and then not being able to properly differentiate between um, the not being able to properly differentiate between mental health and mental illness. And there are people who have mental illnesses who still are apprehensive to go and get treated and to be seen because of the stigma that comes with that. Right. And they'll just say, oh, oh, you know, Johnny, Johnny crazy. You know, they'll they'll say that really quickly, but nobody's supporting Johnny. They're not going to direct Johnny in the right direction. And then Johnny now feels like that's just a part of who Johnny is. And now Johnny's not getting that support and it ripples out. So that's my long winded uh, response to that to that there. So I want to add a little bit of. Um little bit of salt and pepper to what you guys put on the plate here. Um, you mentioned about understanding that there are therapists and there are psychiatrists. A lot of people also don't know or aren't aware of the fact that there are also your mental health counselors and coaches. Me personally, I've been thankful to have at least three of those four, and they've all had a different impact on my life. Even if they aren't licensed, if you will, as coaches per se, they were able to coach me through some crazy times and Thank them here to talk about it. But you bring up a very important point, Devante, and I want to kind of dig into that a little more. Um, I'm deviate a little bit from the question I have here, but if there was one person you could dedicate and say thank you to that's responsible for being your mental health hero, who would that be? It can be, it can have a positive impact in your life. It could be a negative that you turn to a positive. But if there was one person, who would it be? Uh, yeah, I'm a, the, the truth answer is my wife. You know what I mean? I've been married for a few years. Um, it's, it's her, man, because I feel like I was doing all right, you know what I mean, um, in terms of trying to figure things out. But I still had this idea of the old traditional rigid aspects of masculinity that would say, like, you know, hey, don't show no emotion in front of other folks. Um, you know, deal with that in your private time. Or if something happens, just let it roll off, even though we know that's not real. Um, and it was a time I was going through something and I cried like a baby, man. She and I tried to stop myself. It was I forgot what it was. I think I was watching it was an episode of This Is Us back in the day when they had everybody crying. And um, like I said, I grew up with housing insecurity. So it was a scene where Deja, if anybody knows Deja, her and her mom was like getting evicted and having stuff in a bag. And we just sitting there watching TV. And I just start crying, you know, like from the from the pit of my stomach. 
and I had no idea where it was coming from. And now I'm like, yo, what's what's happening? Now I'm trying to clean, like get myself together because I'm right here in front of my wife. We're not even married at this time. I'm in front of her. I'm like, I need to get this together. And she's like, hey, cry. You know what I mean? Like, it's totally, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let that out. And just the permission to be a human in my full, like to be a full human and to know that the, after that, nothing shifted or changed. And it was like, oh, this is, it's okay to do this. So I feel like just the permission and the support of her, even in those times where I'm not recognizing myself as a whole human, she'll be like, hey, don't forget who you are. Hey, it's okay to do this. Hey, you need a break. You know, and I'm looking, I was told that the worst thing you can be is a well-rested man. I, that's what I heard growing up. You know, uh, don't look comfortable. Don't be looking comfortable up in here, you know. So um, I just wanted to big her up because that's the reason why I decided, huge reason why I decided uh, for us to just, hey, this is what I want to do for my life. You know, just somebody who added so much value, that being a major part. Uh, so shout out to Sean Lewis Green, you know. Respect. Yeah, so my my person, my answer is a little bit different because my impact and my walk was different. Um, the person I would say that had uh, the significant impact on my journey of mental health um, was this older, white, incompetent male therapist that I had when I was younger. Um, and I don't, I don't say that to uh, disrespect him or his knowledge i say it based on the fact of now today we can hear things like cultural competence um we can hear things like um you know it's it's more access and availability even to helping professionals i would say um so i don't think he had the resources back then to properly treat me uh this young black kid from the projects you know um so i just felt invalidated i felt that it wasn't a again, a cohesive process within the journey of helping these young families from minority communities, um, you know, in, in different systems. So for me, that was motivation to know and to seek understanding of something that's potentially different on the other side. So that's my journey, short and simple. Who child? I, I immediately, when I asked both the question, I started thinking about who is that person for me? And I'll be brief and say that I thank God for my wife every single day because there is a very dark period of my life just in terms of grief and graduating college and going to a career in a very, very, very white space. And for me, that was uncomfortable when it was, who was this kid thinking he can change everything when I was making real impactful changes in the workplace. So for me, it was, I had a sense of stillness at one point in time and she came to me like, listen, it's okay to go talk to somebody about that. And I was just like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. And very well after that, I found myself in somebody's therapy session. And, hey, thank God for just people that are those catalysts that change our lives. So let's we, – we, we threw out the term toxic masculinity on our podcast for Mental Matters. We often talk about ending toxic masculinity, I mean, especially being aware of it. What does it mean, like for real, for real? And how do you think it impacts black men and their mental health? Let's get into it. Yeah, uh, I could jump off. Uh, I mentioned I don't use the term. I think it's a conversation stopper. Um, and I think I don't often think that it 
registers with the folks who it's meant to register with, right? If we're thinking about, uh, I'm, I'll use it right now. I'll use rigid masculine, rigid ideas of traditional masculinity, right? It's this to be super stoic, to enforce your will on others, to be in control of others. And we see what happens with inter partner violence, right? We understand that that is due to this idea of not someone trying to be a superman, somebody who's very fragile in their masculinity is what I would identify that as. Um, someone who doesn't have the emotional intelligence to be able to manage their emotions. So self-awareness, one thing that we do in a giant's den is we use the feelings wheel. So we meet all the time. And when I share with y'all how I'm feeling, I gave y'all three feelings, not three stories. You know, but in the past, I would have told you three. How you feeling? Oh, man, a day been long, X, Y, and Z, without actually being able to express the actual emotion. Like, what is the feeling that you're having? So without that emotional literacy, a lot of guys can't even identify how they're feeling. And then they can't resource themselves properly. So I think that with toxic masculinity, it's an opportunity for emotional intelligence, which incorporates, hey, let's be able to identify how we feel so you can manage that. And I understand that there's a lot of folks I work with who say, like, I need to I need to be in control of my emotions. And what I tell them is I don't believe you can control your emotions, but I do believe you can control your behaviors. You know what I mean? So it's okay to be upset. But when you throw that chair, now it's a problem. You know what I mean? When you try to impose your will. So this idea of fragile masculinity, I believe that people are trying to puff their chest out and sound and seem like something. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, and the way that we get around that, I think, is to create, when we talk about vulnerability, safe spaces where people could be honest on both, both accounts. Right. So there's usually no accountability in spaces where this idea of toxic masculinity exists. There's usually nobody holding you accountable to the things that you are doing that's out of, out of uh, that's disrespectful, that's out of line or not aligned to you becoming a, um, the person that I believe you can be. So creating spaces where accountability exists and vulnerability exists, I think, is a, a, some tools that we can use to move forward past this idea of uh, fragile masculinity. Um, <clears throat> yeah, to add to that, I personally also don't subscribe to the notion of toxic masculinity. Um, I believe it's definitely health is healthy of a person, regardless of gender, to have a fine balance between femininity and masculinity. Um, I think the <laughs> probably within the last five to ten years, the word toxic has just been overly used, you know, just by social media and so many other constructs. But I definitely think that uh, a, a healthy dose of, if you will, masculinity is missing, you know, because the presence of strong, affirmative uh, male atmosphere is missing, whether it's leadership, whether it's providing guidance, whether it's uh, assisting the next generation of boys and men to be better, not only from the aspect of providing and protection, but all of those things. Some I often say also is... Uh, feel your feelings. So not just the ones that the public perception needs you to, to feel, but all those ones that, you know, the vulnerability, the ones that your children need you to uh, display, the ones that your partner need from you, the ones that your coworkers or teammates needs as well. I think when you hear the term toxic masculinity, people um, assert that to dominance or just the power struggle of just being in a situation of, you know, deviance opposed to a healthy person, regardless of gender. But, you know, of course, 
society doesn't help it with the the media presence of um, some of the things that they display, like boys aren't supposed to cry or boys can't play with uh, dolls or do chores, you know, because he'll be feminine or he can't do gymnastics and things like that. So those things, of course, impact not only the emotional side, but the physical side of that young male or that, that, that adult male upbringing, that, how they perceive themselves and how they display themselves to the world. Um, I, I grew up in the projects and it was not uncommon for us to be out there on Saturday flipping on the mattress, right? But how many black males you see that follow the course of being gymnasts? You rarely see it. Like I know for sure I grew up with some guys that can, you know, make it to the Olympics and flipping because we did it on Saturday and they were good, you know, but it wasn't as healthy to uh, do gymnastics because it wasn't viewed as a male dominant sport. Uh, and just so many other things like, you heard things like um, boys aren't supposed to play with dolls or cook or whatever the case is, easy bake ovens. Like those things are damaging because those are more of living skills opposed to gender roles. Um, because eventually that boy, that boy will be a man. He will have children. He will need to provide for himself, whether it's cooking or cleaning or doing certain chores. So I think the notion of uh, toxic masculinity has definitely impacted and affected so many people within society um, who are, I don't want to say afraid to go against what it is, but you know they don't display what it is in a healthy sense of you need masculinity, you also need femininity, but people you know, don't want to uh, have a cohesive bond between the two, which causes the issues. Yo, can I jump in there? Just one, this is this the uh, one. I know I, we on time. I, I'll let you, I'll let you this time. I appreciate you. I won't do it again. Um, one of the things that, that James has shared about um, there being a, like this missing piece of of like healthy masculinity in the sense, right? And then someone put in the chat opinions difference between masculinity and toxic masculinity. First, I believe that masculinity, femininity, we're, we're, it's a spectrum. We're all on it somewhere. We need the balance of it, right? There's no way that you should be devoid of femininity if you're a masculine person. I think that's just wild. But what we call feminine or masculine from a social perspective is all based on putting people in boxes and what you could see. So I could, like, because the qualities, there are women who present as feminine where I, who might have qualities that I'll name, and that doesn't then make them masculine. So if keeping your word, I feel like has been known as a masculine thing. Leadership, I've heard, has been known as something that is masculine. We know that women also exist in these things as well. But I think the more that we're talking about the qualities that benefit the, the group, because masculinity is also to me like people who move the group forward. Right. So if that's your family, that's the community, whatever, you have to have trustworthiness. You have to have uh, leadership skills. You have to be able to communicate. You have to be able to lead by example with those things not being talked about and us just kind of like bucketing it under masculinity. I think they were missing a lot of major targets instead of talking about the qualities that we appreciate about what we might deem as masculinity. And it's not just, oh, I, you know, all the all the rhetoric that's happening and the debates that's happening in the world today. Thanks, Rich. Richard. No, no problem. Either it's fine. I just want to say for those out there that think femininity is a bad thing, I hope you have a daughter and that she might paint your fingernails. Moving on. <laughs> if you know, you know. I've seen it happen. I've been the uncle. 
So I have a bunch of other things I want to discuss. You took one off my list, which is cool. The biggest thing is we're talking about we talk about black boy joy. We hear that phrase thrown around a lot. Um, for you all individually, what do you think it means for black men to reclaim their joy? So just being in a, a, a position of having freedom over your emotions, your feelings, um, and just your life. You know, oftentimes you get trapped in the perception of others where you don't express yourself in the ways in which you might, um, which is unfortunate. Like, like, uh, so I'm, I'm a, um, you know, just just viewing it and working with a lot of men. Um, you know, you see them cater to a specific set of social constructs opposed to what they genuinely authentic want to cater to. And it's unfortunate. So not being able to display certain emotions or feelings or uh, just stand out in the, in the way that you want to be your authentic self is definitely hindering black boy joy. I think black boy joy is um, one of those things to where you're just free of other people's opinion. You're able to articulate how you want to articulate your freedom of emotion and expression whether that is ignoring you being called soft or weak or whatever the case is, you just enjoying the fact of I'm alive, I'm happy, I am, you know, healthy, I'm in a holistic uh, place that I need to be, my family is good. There's so many other aspects of that. But when you get trapped in thinking that I'll be viewed a certain way if I did this, that limits the joy. You know, joy is one of those things that happen. Uh, in spite of your circumstance, like you can always have joy regardless of what happens, like what happens. But happiness is one of those things that, you know, can happen to you. Like if you if you think about like joy, like if you, you watch, you've probably seen some commercials where the kids in Africa are like, you know, eating off the ground or just, you know, flies and all those things around. But they still got a smile on their face. You know, they're happy. They have joy despite of our circumstance, you know, they still enjoy the presence of life. They still enjoy and know that it's um, positive positivity that can happen on the other side. So I definitely think black boy joy is one of those things too. You can be free, you can be expressive in all ways that you can if you ignore the perception of others. Yeah, um, yesterday I met with a friend and we were just chopping it up because um, some of what I do, we do like adventurous activities. So we kayaking, rock climbing, you know, uh, hiking, just some, some stuff that you don't see us doing, you know. Um, and as apprehensive as folks were coming into these uh, situations, they were all smiling and really present every time we did an activity, right? I think the, the struggles of life, well, I'm sorry, met with this guy yesterday. What he told me was something to the effect of, you I, you never stop, like, you don't grow out of being a boy, you just grow old, right? And that, I was like, what you mean? You know, and it was like, at some point, the pressures of life and these, these expectations that we have of ourselves that the society has of us keeps us in these very serious situations, right? Even like even planning a vacation, I got a family of four plus a dog, you feel me? So if we if we gotta go somewhere, as fun as it might sound, it's kind of stressful trying to plan a family vacation, right? But that might be what I say. Somebody asked me, like, when's the last time I had some fun? Somebody might say, I'm going to go watch a game and had a drink, which, cool, and that's, you know, now that's not the pinnacle of what fun and what joy should feel like 
at this age. But I, so I think that when we can find opportunities to get outdoors, when we can find opportunities to be around loved ones for real, have our guards down, when we can have a moment to suspend all these, all these thoughts that usually have to do around finances, which is a huge part of everybody's situation. I live in LA, rent is a million dollars a minute. I don't know what's happening out here, you know, but so when you can suspend the hustle and bustle of the city and the bills and the pressures, I think you can get to a place where you can invite and enjoy. Um, but at some point, and I would say around that 16, 17 year old spot, you know, it's this transition that happens to where everything is serious and everything is trying to fit that box that we talked about, which is these rigid ideas of masculinity and what it looks like to be a man, you know? And if we could see anything, we see that the world with these like major CEOs and everyone who's running these major corporations, companies, they're not fitting this box of what folks are thinking. Like when we think about the traditional masculinity, there's <laughs> there's a misconception that has been shared as a narrative that I think prevents people from just being present. You can't be present because you're always in a future. I don't think you can have true joy. And as kids jumping on that mattress, we used to jump out of the abandoned building uh, window, second floor onto the mattress outside, probably was pee on that mattress and everything, right? But the reason why we did it, because we were present and we were just having a great time. So I think the inability to be present prevents that joy from being possible, right? Um, so that's that's what I would say, um, being present, you know, being present in those moments. I was listening to the open session, opening session for this conference today, and one of the statements that was made was ultimately about finding your joy in terms of your younger self. I do find myself, when it comes to finding my own joy, I go back and look at pictures. I have an album on my phone called Throwback Me, and in those pictures, I got pictures of me like with like an old school Grant Hill jersey on with a big smile on my face. Um, sitting on the front porch with the outfit, I probably wouldn't wear today because it don't fit for one. But just sitting on the porch, just like being truly just organically happy. And I think back to that very first question we talked about, how would your younger you rate yourself on a scale of one to 10? And just having that own awareness piece, I think one, especially for the fellas, if you truly want to know how to get to your joy, I believe, go find that one picture that they're looking back at you and just like, I want to get back to that happy, right? There. And if they're truly happy for if they're truly happy at how you feel in your current stage, you know you're on the right path. And if you're not, we got some improvements we can make. And just based on what you all have heard today, I hope that's something you can take back to the men in your life. Um, I know we may be short on time. I'm going to squeeze one more question in, and then we're going to wrap. I believe the cutoff time for this event is 4 o'clock. But when it comes to self-care, we all got our things. You mentioned about uh, watch TV and have a little sip of something, if you will. What does self-care currently look like for, for you as a black man? And then on top of that, what makes it easy to facilitate? What makes it difficult? It's going to be a lot to squeeze in, but I feel like y'all can handle this. James, we'll start with you. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, so right now, man, self-care for me looks like um, annoying my daughters. So I have two two, two young women. Uh, 
you know, 17 and 11. So the, the oldest just got her license in April. Um, so that whole teaching to drive thing was a process for me. Um, and we also did college tours this summer. So, you know, she's just narrowing it down to where she want to go now. And then, of course, my 11-year-old is uh, active in so many different activities, too. So annoying them is definitely a highlight. Uh, it keeps me happy and entertained. Um, and also, you know, I do um, a lot of self-care. I do uh, mindfulness stuff, meditation. I do uh, kickboxing a couple of days a week in addition to working out. Um, you know, so what was the second part of your question? Of that, is there anything that makes your self-care difficult? Uh, not as of right now. Uh, there's nothing hindering my self-care. Um, of course, naturally, time management is one of those things that you probably can uh, do better. So I, what I tell my clients is, like, you can't uh, miss like there's no time management issues. You're just mismanaging your time. So I think just putting it in the right perspective, uh, scheduling, identifying different things that you can do with the time that you're allotted. So I definitely think that, you know, it's probably one of those things, but outside of that, everything is solid. Respect. Yep. Um, my routine that I have every morning is I was in a depression. I was in a depressed state um, after I feel like a dad postpartum. At a point, you know, I gained mad weight. I was in a house. I wasn't just in a different space. And when I went to my therapy session, my therapist asked me about those moments that I feel confident, joyful, and X, Y, Z. And I started to name them. And she said, um, "That is, think of that as a prescription for your for your uh, your mental health, right? So self care. So my morning routine is, I wake up at four forty five a.m. I like I have a I journal. Um, listen to binaural tones. I go hit the gym. I kill it in the gym. I then take a sacred pause, take my daughter to school. But I do that at that time in the morning before anyone else wakes up because I want to make sure I have protected time for myself before I start interacting with the world or the world starts demanding things of me. So that is how I continue to take care of myself by someone said in the chat, I'm radical about it. I don't move it. And I do it because it really does support how I feel and how I'm able to radiate in other areas of my life. So uh, journaling, mindfulness, physical activity, um, that's my self-care uh, routine. I was going to say thank you, thank you, thank you. I realized that you all put your information in the chat, which is dope. I did as well. One of the main reasons I'm glad to be part of this panel is because it was one key thing that you guys said what I was saying. And luckily, I picked the right shirt to wear to explain exactly what that is. Shout out to Black Mental Wellness. You can get this and more of the merch on their website as well. But my piece is more important. Um, I will not move on my workout time. I will not move when it comes to family time. I will not move to the things that bring me joy because I think Beyonce probably said it best in her song, you won't break my soul. So, I mean, at the end of the day, just stand on your own happiness and not letting anybody break those boundaries. So, with that being said, I don't know if there were any other questions in the chat. I am scrolling. Just a lot of praise to you guys for just being organically you on this panel and this discussion. So, again, I thank you, gentlemen. Um, before we wrap, I guess the people are still here. Just let, know, let people know how to find you outside of this space. 
I, I think <laughs> for me, the easiest place to find me is, of course, my website, www.mentohel.com, mentohel.com. And from there, of course, you can subscribe to my YouTube. It's a good tool for therapists or parents. Uh, and also my social media is on there, men underscore T-O underscore H-E-A-L. Um, and also you can purchase the book. You can purchase the shirt. You can purchase the board game. Um, good tools for the males in your lives. You know, uh, the book is a good tool because you can give it to the male in your life and it doesn't feel like a chore to them because y'all can follow up and have discussions, whether that's your son or your uh, husband. Um, or if you're a coach or if you're a, a woman clinician, you can put it in your lobby as a conversation starter. Now, the board game is good for adults and couples or just your ordinary game night, date night situation or group activity. Um so many different questions to elicit responses to increase communication around intimacy, finance, uh, relationships, social issues, and of course, uh, different spontaneous date ideas. So that's me in a nutshell, mentorhere.com. I definitely appreciate being a part of this panel, this discussion, this conference. Uh, and y'all keep up the good work, man. I definitely appreciate sharing the space with y'all. Uh, salute to you, James. I uh, love the work that you're doing, bro. Really inspired to hear that that's happening. Uh, so we'll stay connected. But Devontae Green, y'all can check out the organization that I lead at thegiantsden.com. I put in the chat. Um, I'm also a TEDx speaker, TEDx Inglewood. Just had a great um, talk that will be featured as one of the TEDx talks coming up. Um, and it's about uh, Black men and emotional intelligence and being able to and providing some tools to help people prevent themselves from le leading in those situations that we know are all too common. Um, in addition to that, you can follow me on Instagram, um, the Giants Den, at the Giants Den, or at D Green on Purpose. I'm a speaker, I'm a facilitator, and really uh, just stay. Uh, if you go to our website and you subscribe to our newsletter, you'll get updated on things to come. So, um, yeah, I appreciate being here. I appreciate. You, Richard, for sure, for holding it down and keeping us, you know, on track and asking some really engaging questions. And uh, thank you, man. I hope both of y'all the best. And everybody in the chat, thank y'all. Wish you all well. Most definitely. And definitely myself. Again, thank you all for this space, for the opportunity to share. I feel like we should do like three more of these, at least bare minimum, where we can talk offline about how to do that. Um, for myself, you can find me on the interwebs at Mental Matters Podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts and co-founders of that podcast. Website is mentalmatterspodcast.com. Either way, you'll find organically me and my co-host, Jarrell. And also in the background, doing more things for mental health spaces. So wherever it is, that's where you may find me. And also nerdy engineering things because I'm true to my trade. That, love you guys, stay up. And uh, that's all I have.